0: Welcome to Pure Russell Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode 143. 143. And we've got an amazing episode lined up for you guys today. It's going to be super awesome because, uh, you know, uh, th- th- we've got a celebrity on the show. Yeah, we do. And here's the thing. It's one of those things that before the
1: podcast, like you watch people, right? And you're like, "Huh, I wonder how they are in real life. Mm-hmm. Right. But this guy is legit. and. Super uh, legit. You know, if you ever watch baggage battles and you can always catch baggage battles somewhere on the internet somewhere and it It lives on the internet. It was kind of like one of those things that inspired me to like start reselling. So it's awesome to finally have it on. We were joking before the podcast that it took a quarantine or (laughs) whatever for us to finally get together and make this happen. So we're excited to have Mark Meyer on the podcast tonight. So tell us a little bit about who you are and where can people find you and then we'll get into the details.
2: Yeah. Everyone. uh, So my name is Mark Meyer and uh, I go by Mark Meyer here and I've been reselling for 11 years now. I started in 2009 with my business and I actually started when I was about 14, 15 years old. I started going to garage sales and I found a model ship and I lied and (laughs) said that I was 18 years old and got a checking account and I started selling under my parents' name on eBay. And then uh, when I was 18, I finally got an account of my own. Uh, and I, I really enjoy selling um, tools, electronics, vintage items, uh, antiques. I love jewelry, as well as uh, lots of other items. So I, I'm, I'm here to share some wisdom. I'm here to have a good time and uh, answer some questions today.
0: Man, that's awesome. And, you know, it's really cool. I think there's there's this like this theme that I see running through a lot of our guests is reselling or just hustling seems to start really young. Like it's just in your blood, right? So like you you started at 14 flipping, Um model ship. What were some of those first sales and what really got you hooked? Like, you know what, this is something I could do.
2: So <laughs> the first thing I bought was an old Aurora model. I was at a yard sale and they had a sticker for $5. And I was like, I think I borrowed like five bucks from my mom to buy it. <laughs> hey,
0: you took out your and first business loan, right?
2: Yeah, I took out my first business loan, five bucks. And the guy says to me, he goes, hey, that's worth a lot of money. You should put it online. And I said to myself, thanks, old man. I will. And and I put it online and it sold for $67 plus shipping. Nice. And I packed it and I used like paper towels and I packed everything up really nice and I padded it and everything. And the guy gave me like a really positive lengthy review of like, oh, my God, you know, beautiful packing job. And I was like, man, maybe I'm good at this. And I remember saying to myself, I made fifty bucks in thirty-five minutes of work. Yeah. And my friends are at Adventureland working for five fifteen an hour right now. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm not going to Adventureland. I'm, nice. I'm doing this. Yeah, I, I doubled down on that, and that was the first flip. After that, um, I remember like one of my first storage units. I think my third storage unit. I picked up a gold Omega watch um what a what a bad casing that sold for 350 and i remember like just looking at all the stuff saying if i only had more time more truck and more money i could make a ton of money mm. and i got hooked and i'm still hooked it's every day's like christmas that's
1: awesome Okay, so talk to us a little bit about that because you we had talked before before the podcast <laughs> a, lot of good, a lot of good info you already shared with us. So you're a finance major and then you were looking for work and you started reselling during the recession of 08 around that time. So what what led you to that and was it was it doable?
2: Yeah, uh so I started when I was 16. I've always been flipping. It was lawn mowers, it was everything. <clears throat> it was lemonade stands, whatever it was, I wanted it. By the time I graduated college, I went to school for finance and I said to myself before I go get an office job, I'm going to try this auction thing. I mm, got to try really? it. And I went and I scouted. this is, I basically went to an auction, I scouted it. I saw these people buying so much product for so little money. I was like, you got to be foolish not to make money in this business. I was like, it's everywhere. So I went there, talked to some people. By my second auction, I was like, yo, I want to buy something. By the third one, I went and got my business license. I never applied for a single job. I dove head in. And one thing I want to say, for the recession that's coming right now, secondhand markets do very, very well in recessions. They are recession-proof industries. Nice. So I started and I watched the, the cliff in 2008, 2009. We studied it. Crashing before our very eyes. And my business has done well ever since because there's always a need for discounted product. There's always a need that, you know, there, there's going to be things out there that people can't afford the whole price. So buy secondhand, it's less packaging, and you get a great deal.
0: Yeah. No, that's awesome. I it's mean, so we encourage you to hear. Yeah. We talk all the time on the podcast. That's one of the questions we often ask, you know, is, is what do you think the future of reselling is? Because, you know, I, Orlando's been reselling a lot longer than I have. I've only been reselling for a couple of years. I mean, like you, I, I started hustling young, uh, but I didn't take this seriously until a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, we always say, like, okay, like, what is it going to look like in a recession? Because when I started, it was like things were booming. It was like, if you're not making money, like, you, you don't know what you're doing, right? Like, it's just money everywhere. Uh, but, you know, it's good to hear that somebody's been reselling for so long who went through it actually has, you know, firsthand experience that, that it, that it works and it does well now with the auctions. So you were going to like storage units to buy auctions.
2: So I'm a, I'm a auction professional, if you will. <laughs> like I love auctions. I've been to hundreds of different types of auctions. Um, I go to mostly liquidation auctions, bankruptcies for, uh, I'll do like seized goods. I'll do court case goods and I'll do liquid, uh, liquidation sales and bankruptcy mm. um, any company downsizing or closings is a is a popular one and there are so many things I love about auctions but I'm gonna let you ask the questions um, so hit me hit me with your best one yeah no I was well, gonna
0: say like I, did you get started like because I don't know the timeline there uh, was like storage wars and those type of shows already like a thing did that no. get you inspired on it or were you like in that nah. before
2: so I was six I was 17 in an, in a Delhi one morning and I was getting the entire I used to be a, a foreman on a job site and I, I was getting everyone coffee and bagels and this guy was next to me talking about bearer bonds. So he was jazzed up. His best friend won a storage room and he had he actually went into uh he he bought a room, an entire room, and it had twenty five thousand dollars in bearer bonds. Wow. And he was like, I got it. I'm going to the next auction. I can't believe it, blah, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And, he's, and I asked him, I said, what are you talking about? He goes, auctionzip.com. And this was way yeah. before anybody heard about it. And auctionzip.com is still an amazing resource. And I went there as I got older and I was like, yo, I got to go check this thing out. I really want to check it out. And I love numbers. I, love, I like making money. I like abundance. I like getting lots of stuff and, and being able to like have cool projects in the shop.
1: Oh, that's awesome. So talk to me, because right now what I find, so in San Diego, most of our auctions have gone online. Like, I, I I mean, there's still some in-person. Is that a trend where you're at? Or like, do you, number one, do you prefer live over online? And are there advantages to one over the other?
2: So there are advantages to, to each. I strongly, I so prefer live auctions. Mm-hmm. And I prefer mm-hmm. live auctions that are Monday through Friday. Those Saturday auctions, I don't really like as much because mm. they're they're not they're not professional auctions. They're more weekend warriors. They're I should say they're not professional bidders in attendance. There's more weekend warrior homeowner weekend stuff. Mm-hmm. If it's a Monday to Friday sale and I can see valuation of three to five hundred thousand or more, I'm in. Mm. And we'll and, I, and and the lots are big. That is what gets my juices going. And uh, to to share. When I got started, I had just opened up a thrift shop, and we were doing storage auctions for years, and then the TV shows hit and rocked that whole industry. Mm. So overnight, the TV shows came out, and then instantly, storage auction prices tripled and quadrupled, and attendance went up fourfold. Wow. So we used to have five people at an auction, eight people at an auction, then we were going 40. Wow. And then... A year after that, there were eighty people deep at an auction, and mm. then you couldn't buy a room for under five hundred. It was, and then so long story short, I'm grateful <laughs> because I said, I said, you know what, the storage thing, I'm out. I'm mm. gonna go do other auctions. So I got into police auctions, property auctions, liquidations, downsizing, bankruptcy. I I sidestepped the whole thing. I was like, I can't deal with the competition. We go to these other auctions, there was no competition. So we did, and that's still like that. Um And with that being said, I did very well there. And then I got approached to do a TV show on lost and stolen property. Nice. So it was pretty much perfect.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I, I need to watch the show. I haven't seen it yet. Um, I know Orlando has seen it. I've watched multiple episodes multiple times because... <laughs> It's just, it's entertaining. I mean,
1: so here's my question. So I'm watching the show and it it's intimidating. Like I would say, and I've been to auctions and I look like an intimidating guy, but I get intimidated. And so <laughs> I'm watching. And so what what would you tell somebody that's an introvert, somebody that's shy or somebody that like trying to angle their way into an, a live auction? Because I've seen it there. There are the people that are the, the OGs at the auctions and... They'll throw their weight around. I mean, I've been there where I've had people just throw a number right in front of me to get me to back off. So how do you how do you angle your way if you're trying to get in there?
2: If you're a new person and you want to step into auctions, the way that you go about that, observe.
3: Mm, okay.
2: I recommend you observe one, two, three, four auctions before you go to buy. Mm. All right. the The challenge is that most people get caught up in auction fever. Mm. and the tv shows will teach you oh the biggest guys the ones that make the most money are the ones spending the big bucks that's a lie mm. the guys who are calm cool and collected sitting with their notepads those are generally the ones that are doing very well and they don't get emotional they they set best thing you could do set your limit before the auction because when, in the moment your blood is pumping and your adrenaline's going and you just want to win especially if you're competitive don't let emotions run your game or your, the game will be ran on you. So be rigid in what you're willing to pay for it. Do your research and always go to the preview. Okay. Always. Nice. The preview is the difference between getting a great deal and getting a pile of crap because you mm. didn't have time to look at it. So that's my, that's my, I'm going to give out tons of great advice to this podcast. I appreciate it. So Keep tuned.
0: Oh, trust me, I'm gonna be taking notes. Cause I mean, I, auctions is one thing I haven't really <laughs> gotten into. Um, I tried one time, Orlando knows that I'm into uh, like video equipment and things like that. And so he sent me that he'd found a, like a, a video photography school is shutting down or it, it had, you know, went bankrupt or whatever. And so they were auctioning off a lot of their stuff. And he's like, hey, you know, some of these things. So I was, I tried and I put in a bunch of bids online. Um, but what I noticed, what was kind of difficult for me, and even though I knew that industry, most of the equipment that was up for sale, I had never seen before, I'd never heard of before. And so I'm trying to look things up. I can only imagine what it's like when you're going to an auction and you, like you said, there's big lots of things. How much research are you doing on each individual item? Or do you just kind of have like general knowledge where you say like, hey, like these types of things sell? Like what kind of research goes before you say, here's what I'm willing to spend on a lot or certain things?
2: Um, so I do quick math. So when I'm <laughs> there, and also this answer is very uh, wide. Okay. So th- it depends, you know, and some previews are eight hours long before the day of the auction. Some are a half day. Some, most of them are one hour before the sale. Wow. So there are times that I walk into a building, I'll give you my rundown. I mean, this is worth hundreds of dollars to, to someone.
1: <laughs> Thank you for sharing with but, us.
2: You're welcome. The way that I run an auction, if there's a thousand lots and I have one hour, I go backwards. I take my catalog out and I go from 989 and I go backwards and I walk the auction completely backwards. Mm -hmm. And the reason I do that is because I want to spot the tickets at the end of the sale because the way that the curve goes is the first hour goes up and up and up and up. And then the price per item, relative price per Mm -hmm. item, peaks about one to two and a half hours into the auction. And then people start to run out of money patience, hunger, and they start to go down, and now they're out of truck, and they're out of equipment, and they're tired, and boom, Mark gets a pallet for 300.
0: Nice,
1: that was, you're right, that was an excellent tip. All right, keep going, sorry.
2: So, now, there are some exceptions to that. Sometimes the auctioneers will stagger Mm. the best, generally, if they're intelligent, they're gonna put the best items in the the beginning of the middle so that they have the max attendance. It's like a huge graph, and I love these things. And the best deals, most of the time, the best deals I've gotten has been right at the jump off of the auction because people are still like getting their coffee and they're, they're not really there yet or someone's late in traffic because we live in New York. Mm. But most of the time, I'm killing it at the mid to the end of the auction, and I put a lot of heavy weight there because my competition is tired, they're hungry, they're, they're grumpy, and they're out of truck, and they're out of men. So that's usually where I place my, my, my bets. And that's, that's like a million dollar tip.
0: (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Literally a million dollars. Yeah. you play it right. Now, now what do you do? I've always wondered, and and we've talked to to some other people who do like storage units and I'm sure it's a little different, but I'm sure you've got a big truck that you're, you load up with stuff. Um, Do you ever have like inventory that's in a lot? That's like, this isn't something I need to sell or it's kind of junk I need to get rid of. Or how do you. How do you deal with like excess stuff that you get or is it all like everything I get it's I'm going to flip it and I'm going to sell it?
2: Um so that it was a great question. So the question is, what do I do with the excess stuff? Mm. Let's say what I would call C grade stuff. C D grade type of inventory. It's not good enough it, it maybe it's good enough to be listed but it's like, you know, you're making like 15 bucks an hour kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. What I do with that stuff is I will bring it to an open air market. We'll palletize it and put it into like the antique slash garage sale section that we have here, or I will send it. And this is more likely I'll send it out to auctions. Hmm. So I have uh, an auction in Pennsylvania that works with me and I have excess tools that I didn't pay a lot of money for. I'll send them and on average, a pallet of tools will get between three and $600, depending on quality. Hmm. If we have excess like building materials, we'll send it to a building material auction. When we buy the big lots, what we're really doing is scanning for the online stuff, listing the best of the best, parting off what we can on the marketplace or Craigslist, and then the remainder, we're bulking it out, um, either to a garage sale or an antique market or to an auction. And in that way, we can keep processing through the stuff quickly to move through it.
1: Nice. That's good. Now, my question is, okay, so that's live. So... Online auctions, I find it's 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 more I, I think it's more difficult because you have a lot more time to research. Right. You don't I mean, you could go to the live. I know online auctions have live sessions, too, but it's all out there. Right. And so if you have access to like a computer, you can, you know, search things. So are there advantages to the online auctions and what are, what yeah. are those that you're willing to share?
2: <laughs> I'm, I'll, I'll share it all. So the advantage of an online auction is you're sitting out on your on your butt at home. You know, and yeah. you're 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 in your own element. So I can run my business and do an online auction while the guys are in the shop. Uh, a advantage of an online auction, you can go to many of them on the same day. Okay, nothing you true. can't do. You you cannot do that with a live auction. Second, um, there may be uh, there's advantages like, for instance, when you're at a live auction, you may glimpse have a glimpse of something, but at least with an online auction, you know what you're getting. Mm. Um, And and honestly, some of the online auctions by me, they're doing really good jobs. Hmm. Like they they scan every like you, they like a standard fifty dollar item will have six to eight photos, nice and it, with barcodes or everything. So they're getting really good money for their stuff. The disadvantage for online auction is everybody can go. They're yeah. sitting at home. They're sitting on their lunch break and they're typing in buttons. Also, you have the computers to deal with. So and what I mean by that is, um, bidding programs hmm. going at it. Um, and, and, uh, Oh,
1: you mean bots? Is that what you're referring to?
2: Yeah. So you can, you can have snipe bots. Okay. You, you can, you can have sniping programs that work on your behalf and they can work well. Um, I went to an auction recently, $1.5 million sale last year in Connecticut. And it brought, I think it brought, it was probably two to 3 million in, in, in gross. And their cost was 1.5 mil. And I think <laughs> it sold altogether for like 400,000 wow. in total. So now it was, it was, it was, a, it was 10 cents on the dollar yeah. for everything. It was phenomenal. The challenge was they kept doing this thing where they group six uh, live, six online, like lots. And then it was high bidder choice of those six.
3: Huh. So what
2: happened is you were bidding against people. You might want a, you might want B and I want D and we're all going head to head. And then wow. at the end, the high bidder gets to pick who, which lot he wants. Wow. All right. That is a rare event and I do recommend online auctions. They are the way of the future. Huh. It is a, it has been a progressive thing every year that I've been a reseller, more and more live auctions go online. Hmm. So, don't fight it. Work with it.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's, that's good. good. Yeah. It makes me kind of sad, you know. I mean, I've been doing a lot of <laughs> a lot of retail arbitrage on eBay to eBay and I've been finding all kinds of stuff on auction, not the same as what you're talking about but it's been really good so um my question now is okay so you get all that stuff and you have multiple platforms right because you saw on ebay and you saw on amazon and so on so how do you decide what goes where and uh i know you've mentioned asp and other shows but can you share us a little bit you know how, what do you do with each platform yeah all
2: right so um i also want to share that my average sales price my asp um floats between 75 and 85. okay um, my intention when I buy products is to buy depth. And when I look at a product, I won't deal in $20 items, but I will deal in 10, $20 items. Right. Ah, I okay. will deal in like quantity of those specifics. Um, how do I know which platform it's going to go on? First up barcodes get scanned in the Amazon all mm-hmm. the time. Okay. So that's the first, you know, we're going to check out if it's got a barcode BB, it's in the system.
1: Now, do you we use Sorry. Go ahead. Man, so rude! I just want. So, no, do you no, no, use sure. a do you use a scanner? Do you use the Amazon Seller app? Are you using Inventory Lab? Like, how practical? Okay, I just want everybody to be aware. Okay,
2: yeah, All right. and they also might not get the audio, but we use um, Symbol Motorola scanners. These are about two fifty a piece. We we use the nicer ones, and I recommend the hell out of them. We could gun. <laughs> I can gun like four feet off my desk, nice, and still hit the target. Um, and they we buy them refurbished, and they're amazing. Yeah. Okay. So I, I use the, all right, so I use the Amazon seller app. If I need information about it, I'll use Keepa in with an internet explorer. So do you guys know about Keepa? Yes. Yep. All right. So Keepa is one of the best programs I know of. And I use Keepa on it every day. And actually, I think it's Scoutly now. Mm-hmm. Or um, anyway, the Keepa charts are amazing. They tell us all pricing, everything. We could scan something. It could have a really good sales rank and then we come back and we're like why is it $150 this thing has like a $49 uh, MSRP yeah. and you can get really excited about that stuff but with the Keepa, you can see last year this is what they sold for this mm-hmm. is what they sold you know and they give you all the information so how do i know what i'm which product is going where first up when i buy it i usually have an idea of what i want to do with it mm, okay the first thing I'll do, if you're dealing in the secondhand stuff, I really don't think that that's really Amazon stuff, unless it's video games, DVDs, and something highly specific, like those VCR players, I don't really put secondhand stuff on Amazon. It's generally if it's new and it's it's minty. Mm. all right It's in good packaging and it can it can be new, that will get scanned and put on Amazon. After that, if it's collectible, if it's antique, secondhand, cool, it goes on eBay. If it is not valuable, like more than $10, we will lot them. So we had a lot of Disney memorabilia. Each thing's worth $3. I won't bother listing. And when I say $3, it's a $9 nine shipped item. But I, mm. I call it a $3 item. Right. That's really yeah. what it is. So we'll put 10, 20, 30 items like that together, get a bundle and take 80 for it. Mm. So we do bigger. My intention is to make more money and work less. So Good. the only way that I figured out how to do that is to make the lots bigger so we can go through the product faster because there's no shortage of inventory anywhere.
1: Nice. Now, the, the question too is, so Amazon, you're engaged in a lot of categories. Uh, and then eBay, you sell the secondhand stuff. Now, do you use the other platforms at all? Or are you strictly eBay, Amazon?
2: If it's large, if it's not shippable... We will put it on uh, Marketplace. So things like that are furniture, mirrors, uh, lamps, lights, uh, porcelain, dishware sets. Those are all Facebook Marketplace. Okay. Um, I think Facebook Marketplace is the number one underrated site right mm. now for selling stuff. Craigslist has really gone downhill. Yeah. <laughs> Facebook has taken over like a storm and you can do paid promotions, mm. which net you. They, oh, they're amazing.
1: No, I know. I sold a, an espresso machine for one k. That I, I, I was like, "How am I going to offload this?" And Facebook Marketplace within twenty four hours, I had people wanting to buy it. So I hundred percent agree with you. So,
2: yeah, there's a. I, I want to add. There's a group for everything.
1: Yeah, that's true.
2: So I, I just I bought an entire estate of ham radio equipment. I got in two ham radio groups. These guys are giving me all this information. They want to buy all the stuff. No nice. fees. No nothing. They and it's it's a great resource. So don't underestimate Facebook. It is totally undervalued and underrated right now.
1: That's a great tip. I don't think we've ever talked about that.
0: Yeah. Like actually using groups even for knowledge and then to offload. That, that's, that's Well, because I
1: idea. had somebody at one time mentioned like I had this Pendleton blanket and he's like, hey, join our Pendleton group. Just throw your blanket up and somebody will buy it. I should have followed advice. I still sold it. But so you're saying you you go into the Facebook groups and you just kind of connect with people and go, hey, anybody have any information? And then people will say, hey, you know what? I want to buy that. Is that how it works?
2: So the way to get around it, most mods, most Facebook groups have a gatekeeper that says no ads. Mm, Okay. so the way the way to get around that is you post up like I I took a photo with two racks of equipment on my Instagram, you can see. And it was a show-off photo, but it was also, hey, this is what I got. So I put in there, hey, I just cleaned out an estate. Going to get these cleaned up, loved up, and shipped out you know, to 180 countries around the world. So I was bragging, showing off. It got 500 likes, and I got three DMs saying, hey, so I want that Collins. I want that one on nice, the shelf. I nice. want, what do you got? Um, and like you, sometimes I list it anyway because I don't want to do the back and forth. Mm-hmm and I don't really know what they're worth. So with eBay you can auction it and at least you know many people saw it. So if it went for 500 then that's probably what it was worth. And I'm um, I'm saying it was a good resource. I did sell we we sold a 40 foot radio tower on Facebook. <laughs> wow.
0: And <laughs> that's intense.
2: So- yeah, yeah, so we put it I couldn't move it, so I had to put it up as a local sale.
0: Okay. Nice. So do you do auctions you mentioned, you know, kind of letting the market figure out the value of a of an item via the, the auction feature on eBay. Do you auction many of your things or you kind of primarily buy it now prices?
2: If we can value it, we do buy it now. If we can't if we can't assess or we don't know or we want them to battle it out, we do auctions. And And of the ham radio equipment, some of it's so rare and so old that we really don't know what they are. Mm. So we'll set it at a minimum that we think or even like sometimes a lofty auction price and let it go to an auction to see who bites on it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: After that, here's my recommendation. If you have a $400 pair of whatever, sneakers, or $400 microphone set, or whatever you got, if there are no comps, and you throw it up for an auction for $399, and it doesn't sell, and you do it again for $399, and it doesn't sell, you know you're too high.
1: Mm, that's a good tip, good.
2: And you can go down, you can go down. And if there's no watchers, if there's no watchers and no bids, that's your feedback, you're way too high. Mm. So generally, I'll, I'll lower it and then go go two ninety nine, one ninety nine, and I'll keep going down, and then I'll go in fifty dollar increments. The perfect sell cycle is to drop your price price slowly over time.
3: Mm. All
1: that's right, so,
2: your that's your perfect like equilibrium.
1: That's good. So that that leads into the next question. So it seems like you're you're fast nickel as far as like you want to recoup like the money that you spend. So you list the the high end items as soon as you can. Now, are you slow dime on some items? Like, are you willing to weigh things out? Or is it like, hey, I get so much inventory, yeah. I got to move all of it?
2: So there is a question. I just, I spoke to Chris about this recently. Um, when you list, are you interested? These are the questions I want you to ask yourself. Am I interested in in money right now? Or am I interested in getting space?
1: Okay, that's a good, yeah.
2: Those two questions are going to answer what you're going to list and for how much. You know, you can, you can have, you you know, you could put like 36 shirts in a bin or something like that. And that could be $600, but then we'll put like a, a, a bicycle or something else. And you want to sit on that? Nah, sit on the t-shirts, but don't sit on the bike. Don't sit on the big stuff. You're in San Fran. You know how expensive real estate is. You need to use your space. Those bigger items, I'd be going for the fast nickel. And I, on the shirts, I'd be getting the slow dime because they take up so little room. I don't mind waiting on it.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that's a good rule of thumb. You know, it kind of think of the the space. to I'm just thinking of my storage. unit. How many ratio. times
1: I'm walking around like a coffee machine that I'm like, I should have just flipped that fast and it's just sitting there and in my way every time. So yep. that's good.
2: Yeah, you still have it? I still have it. Yeah. Okay. What you what you going to do with it?
1: I'm going to lower the price. It's gonna. Yeah. It's on. It's on Facebook Marketplace. It's just. I wanted a certain dollar amount, but now I'm like, nah, cause I'm. I'm tired of tripping over it. Yeah. Sometimes you, know? you can get
0: tunnel vision, like you. It, that's kind of like the counting your your chickens before they hatch. Like you think like I'm gonna make X amount on an item, and so you know you you get locked into this is what I'm gonna make as opposed to I just need to make profit, move it, and then reinvest this capital.
2: Yeah. Uh, you don't always know how it's gonna turn out as a reseller till you're done.
0: Yeah.
2: And the question that I often ask myself. If I know that it was a good deal, would I do it again? Mm.
3: <laughs> so
1: That's true.
2: It. It's a great question, you know, and if I can't answer with certainty, I, I won't do it again.
1: I want people to understand how much experience Mark has. Mark, you've been doing this for, let's say, professionally, at least a decade, right? But more than a decade.
2: More than a decade.
1: Full time. Yeah. Full time. All right. No, and I, I just want to be clear because, you know, people define full time a certain way, but this is like your bread. This is what yeah. you do.
2: I, I would say there are times i've even been double time so, <laughs> not, not not full time but like double time you know answering emails in bed before you know answering e- ebay questions and stuff rolling over yeah I, i'm i'm i work a lot and, and i want a great abundant life so mm. part of that is putting in the work to be able to afford what i what i want to uh step into All right, and so-, I, so to share i've also sold a million dollars in goods nice. on wow. the internet congratulations so i, I I didn't realize that till recently. It doesn't seem like a lot now, but, um, yeah, that's a lot of feedback and a lot of hundreds and thousands of packages. So,
1: so let's park it there a little bit. So, you know, I know you travel a lot because sometimes I see on Instagram, you're like in a different continent and you're seeing other people and so on. But we've always said that reselling is a lifestyle. Would you agree with that? And what, what allows you to step away from your business?
2: um so reselling is a lifestyle for sure i mean we are um uh, an interesting and i say this with terms of endearment <laughs> we're a cool we're a cool bunch of cats you know like definitely it's it's fun to hang around other resellers and then you don't feel ashamed when you're like yeah i walked by this dumpster and pulled out this gorgeous set of golf clubs <laughs> you know and and it's like this like playstation one or you know original nintendo yeah i pulled it out i saved it
3: yep well
2: um yeah I, I I took a break because I got lost in the question no no well, no. no I, it was a, it was a
1: two- part question no it's all good so but you're a, you're able to travel oh, right
2: God. yeah you asked me about travel and the reseller lifestyle
1: yeah and so you obviously have a team that runs things when you're traveling right it's not like you just put your store on vacation and you're like I'm out for like a month or two no, i don't no. I don't think anybody has this full time so Let's let's talk about that that team mentality. So, when did you start scaling, and how did you know it was the right time to start scaling?
2: Um, so I started scaling like my second or third year full time. The time is the biggest commodity that I have, and it gets to a point where, for one, you need an extra guy. Like I deal in big stuff, bigger stuff. So, for one, it's always nice to have a two man lift. Mm. When should you scale? When you can afford to scale and you want to scale. Okay. Some people if you're if you're content with with shipping 2 hours a day and you're content with the money that you're making, don't make any changes. If you're content and you're happy, like I'll meet you where you're at. If you're hungry and you want to grow and you want to see those digits grow and you want to support and keep growing, you're going to need you get to scale. Mm. You have to. So that's what I would ask you to is like when can when you can afford it for one and Even if you can't afford it, if you hire people to list for you and they're doing a good job, they're going to generate the money to pay themselves. Mm -hmm. So it it really does work. And how that gets to look is really up to you. And
0: We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. So Orlando and I are always looking out for tools and programs that can be used in our own reselling to help improve our sales uh, and things that we can share with the community in order to help others. Uh, And we've been lucky enough to partner with two companies here at the same time uh, that we think do just that. So it's kind of interesting because both of these companies are competition. So, uh, you know, but this is a good thing that we're advertising both, I feel, because we are really, really big on... Letting you make decisions and not saying like, this is the way you should do things because, you know, you know what's best for your model of selling and what you need to be doing. Uh, so we've been able to partner with List Perfectly and Vindu. And both of these are programs that can be used to cross list postings on multiple platforms. This is great because we always talk about the importance of being on multiple platforms and not putting all of your eggs into one basket. But one of the barriers to that is the time issue. And the nice thing with List Perfectly and Vindu is it allows you to make one listing that then gets cross-posted to multiple platforms. So you're not having to post things multiple places and spend that time. And in this case, that time saved is money you're making. So both of these companies have a special offer for our listeners if you were to sign up. Um, you need to sign up using the affiliate links that we have in our descriptions or show descriptions in order to get the uh, promotional codes. Uh, so... First of all, is list perfectly. They're giving thirty percent off your first month, which is amazing, and they've got some incredible things that they they offer. So, uh, for instance, your postings go to eBay, they go to Mercari, Depop, Grail, Etsy, Poshmark. There's just so many. You got to check it out. There's almost too many to list here. Um, and so, if you sign up, you get thirty percent off, but you have to use our. our link and then use the code LP30. And then the other one is Vindu. Vindu is very similar. Uh, you're going to get 25% off your first month if you use our affiliate link. You don't have to use a promo code. Just click on the link in the description. Uh, and your, your listings are going to go to eBay. They're going to go to Etsy. They're going to go to Poshmark. They're going to go to Mercari. So this is just a great opportunity for you to save some time, get on multiple platforms, and maybe make some more money.
2: There's a lot of support out there for you to help grow your business.
0: Nice. Now, well, uh, go uh, I was gonna say, so so you're clearly very passionate about like you know going and finding awesome things and 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 the excitement you get sourcing and all of that. Um, we primarily do, or at least I primarily do thrift stores, garage sales. Do you do any of that? Do you do you still go to like garage sales? Are you like I'm going big and that's it?
2: Um, so I I go big, and I really invite you to do the same because. When you, and this is something I want to share with you and I want to share with the listeners. If you want to scale the one and you want to buy, in order to sell well, you have to buy well. Mm. And the better that you buy, the better that you can sell well. So I really encourage you to buy in bulk because you're going to be able to get an entire truckload as opposed to driving around to eight to nine, 10 sales in a day, which I've done, I've done it for years and going there and competing with other people and getting things really cheap. When you buy a pallet at a sale or you buy an entire office or an entire garage of stuff, the ROI is unbelievable. All right? Hey, and I promise me. you once you do that you're going to be like, I don't know if I'm going to go to that garage sale today. You know, it's kind of far. <laughs> yeah. You know, cuz like you're burning fuel, your time, your Saturday, and most of the days when I would go around yard selling, I'll do some math. I would go to 8 to 12 sales in a day. And I would probably spend about 200 maybe $300 in the day. And that would be $1,200 gross. Mm-hmm. Maybe like a 400% markup or something like that gross. And by the time I cleaned everything, listed, sorted, did it, all that, the math wasn't working out to be enough money mm. to pay everyone. But when you go to a sale and you get two pallets for 600 that make you 6000 <laughs>
1: I feel like we, like we should just end the podcast right now. No, we're go we're, a, go we're not going to distribute this information. Mike and I are going to go to auctions like right now.
2: So. so, well, there are also one thing I want to add. There's a lot of opportunities outside of auctions. So the deal I just got with the ham radio equipment, I bought the entire estate for $3,000. Nice. A thousand in labor um, and transportation and, and fuel. And we got, so I got 4,000 into this load and I bought a 22 foot trailer packed that we packed by hand. They packed my 22 foot trailer and I brought that home and that equated to about five and a half pallets worth of really good stuff, including two pallets of just radios and equipment for eBay. Mm. So like when you do those big jobs and I know you can and I know that the people listening to the podcast, you have the ability to go to do these bigger jobs. If you don't just lily pad till you get there, Go rent a truck. Go do do what you have to and get those bigger loads and you're gonna, you're, you're gonna skip past yard sales after that. Okay. I still stop. I still stop <laughs> to see like if they're on my block, but I can't take a Saturday and go drive around the nine sales to fill like a quarter of a truck. Mm-hmm. Cause I could fill an entire truck in a day at an auction. <laughs> so yeah, those are. Giving out giving out those tips today. Yeah, no, that's Definitely awesome. are.
0: now are there like certain things like when you go to an auction that like that's your thing like like you mentioned like electronics or furniture or is it kind of like if it makes money I'm picking it up and like how did you start to learn all those niches was it just over time or or did you go and focus like man I I really like electronics or was there a specific thing you were focused on to start with?
2: Yeah, so I'm most passionate about tools. I love tools and those I. I really am passionate about that. I'm also passionate about restoration, taking these items and taking them out of like the dusty places and then putting them online after we clean them up and getting them into the hands of people who can appreciate them.
3: Mm.
2: And that's really what I'm passionate about. I love old electronics. I like, um, I like stuff that people don't know what they are sometimes. Mm. And when I go to an auction, generally the stuff in the, wor- in the tools world, rigid. Old Delta, um, really high-end old tools, Hilti. Those are some of the Snap-on. I'm sure of you know. Mm-hmm. Those are some of the top and line tools that I'll go after. If there's an auction, I almost always go after small items that are worth a lot of money. Mm. As a reseller, we all love postal service first-class mail, and it kills me when I ma- when I sell a $50 item and it costs me 32 to ship. You know, and and I give the money away to the post office yep. or the or the UPS. I love when I sell a fifty dollar item <laughs> and it comes in a little two ounce mailer. Yep. Yeah, three bucks.
1: So oh, when, wait, I want to take a. I want to say something real quick. This is the one of the first few podcasts that I've seen Mike consistently taking notes. Yeah, it's man. Like we're, we're like, we're, like we're being educated. This is right why now. we do this. Like we started the <laughs> like podcast. I'm looking. I'm going. Like, what are you taking notes grow, on? Like, is wanna... something
0: to edit? No, he's taking like legit notes yeah. for reselling. Yeah, so, of course, man. Uh, so when you're picking up tools, and and I'm glad you're. You, I'm I'm glad I found somebody who's like knowledgeable and passionate about them because I see them. And again, this is totally different because it's garage sales different. But I I see people with tons of tools, tons of old, rusty. And I don't even look at them because it's not something I'm familiar with. Um, Do if I want to start learning this niche and I'm going to like look things up and brands and things like that. Is it worth like when you see like rusty old wrenches and rust like they look old and beat up. Are they still worth money or are you looking for like pristine vintage tools?
2: So I'm always looking for quantity and I'm always looking for name brands. So the, the only need to know three in in mechanics tools, Snap-on, Macco, and Mac.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: If they're rusty, still pick them up for a dollar or less. If they're craftsmen, if they're Taiwan, just stay away. Mm. The benefit is when someone rolls out a tool chest and it's high quality tools, which is rare in a garage. So it's very right. rare that someone rolls out unless it's like the the perfect story of the grandmother rolled out the the tool (laughs) chest right and she said oh give me 40 dollars, honey right and like that's a very rare story um what's more common this is really what's more common a guy rolls out a tool chest it's got some mixed tools in it but it's got some good ones in there we buy the tool chest for a hundred dollars we sell the the tool chest itself for 75 and then you have a hundred pieces on the inside so quick valuation, when you're looking at tool chest or you're looking at big lots, how many items are in the lot? Divide that by your price. I know it sounds simple, but very few people do it. And I don't know why more don't do it, but when you really value it out per item, things make a lot of sense very quickly.
3: Mm.
1: That's good. Okay, so I'm gonna ask another selfish question because I've been wanting to scale more and more. And I, you know, I'm not anywhere close to where you are. So I've had a helper like do listing. And I sell primarily clothing, uh, and I enjoy it, but you know, the, the question I always get is like, Orlando, it's so hard to find somebody to like trust with my inventory, with my listing. So how, how did you go about it? Like, is it somebody that you knew that somebody vouched for? Did you put a listing somewhere and you interviewed people? How'd you go about making your team and what's been the turnover like been on your team? If you want to share.
2: Um, So the turnover year, the turnover has been, uh, two years for me. Um, I had, at the start of this year, I hired two new people. I hired a shipping manager and I hired a lister full-time and he did Amazon. That guy did Amazon before he came in the door. So Mm -hmm. I hunted out people that had experience for one. Okay, That's an important thing. Um, and this other guy has his own eBay store. Mm -hmm. The thing is he didn't have the infrastructure and he wanted to make a steady paycheck. There are plenty of people that will trade their time for a, for a steady paycheck. Mm. And in New York, and to be honest, like in New York, what it takes to pay people here is is we pay them a fair wage.
1: Yeah. No, it's the same thing here.
2: Yeah, and you, you have to in order to attract talent. And the difference between you hiring someone at, at 15 an hour and you giving a more appropriate wage is so small to your business that you really want the talent more than you need the money. Yeah. And hmm. the employees show up better when they're being paid more. So how I found my guy, my guy used to work at a recycling center and he used to oversee the, the eBay department. He wasn't that great with eBay and I'm improving. I have, um, I have a, an eight-page manual on how I list. Um, and really, for the people listening that ask the question, how can I trust someone to do my listings? The question is, what space are you allowing mistakes? Mm. If you're expecting them to show up in 99.9% accuracy, then you're not allowing them the space for you to be a boss. Mm. You're only allowing space to micromanage them to the smallest, finest detail.
1: That's so good. And you're
2: giving them this much room to mess up. Mm. That's the context you're holding for someone that, I can't trust someone to do my listing. Okay, because we know there's a lot of people that do average listings and they work. Mm. What my acceptance level is full titles, full categories, full everything. And that takes time. But as a boss, you have to allow some room for trust and mistakes. And if control is the issue, have them write 20 drafts and go through the drafts with them. One at a time, one at a time, one at a time, make notes. My guy, when he's done listing 20 and I go back in and I see a mistake, I write it down in our morning meeting. I ask him. I show him where it's at, and we address it. And he's still learning. We, he's been with me four months now. And he's still learning. It takes six months for me to get them really good. And the last lister I had worked, the last manager I had was two years, and he went out and he's currently grossed thirty-four thousand on Amazon this month. Nice. So my turnover is: after you work for me for two years, you can go do it yourself yeah. and make more money. <laughs> yeah, you're
0: creating your own competition. And,
2: yeah. And you graduate from Mark University. Nice. <laughs> good place to be. Yeah.
1: So let's talk about, let's get current now a little bit. So how has the current situation affected your business? The pandemic, whatever you want to call it, the situation we're in right now. How has that affected business for you?
2: So initially um, it ticked up and then Amazon stopped at You know what? Sales are are tick rising because of the type of work we're doing and the fact that I can't be out buying more inventory. So Mm -hmm. I'm hyper-focused on what I have. Technically, sales are up for what we have in the systems right now. And we're selling a lot of weird stuff. A lot of stuff that's been on the shelf a long time (laughs) that I never thought would sell. We're pulling up, be like, oh, that thing? Oh, all right, yeah. And um, we're selling a lot of repair parts, a lot of parts people can't get right now, and a lot of projects.
1: Interesting. So you're, so would you say sales have uptick like they're better than they were before or is it kind of at the same level?
2: Collectively, we could say e-commerce is up. Okay. As a whole, I, I, I have a lot of colleagues. I don't know about you guys, but... There, there has been, I would say, maybe an eight percent rise in traffic. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's been, it's you know? been
0: good. It's been the best mm-hmm. all year right now. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, part of that. I mean, there's lots of reasons, obviously, economically, but, but I think just a very basic social reason is just boredom of so many people that they're they're, yeah. they're at home. They're on the people boredom by you know, and so like you said, the weird stuff, things that people are like, oh, you know, and and so you know that stuff is going, and and that's cool that that you're able to experience that. Are you worried at all? Um, that, like you said, you're not able to source as much. Are you worried that you're going to get to a place where your inventory is shrinking uh, faster than you're able to replenish it? And are, like, how long do you think it's going to take before you're able to start replenishing at a at a rate you're happy with?
2: Um. So the benefit is when I want to replenish, I'll go and I'll purchase pallets at a time. So I have some outlets, and I can make some phone calls to other businesses that are that are either down to one employee so they can be legal because here in new york it's essential only Mm -hmm. if you're in shipping and warehousing you're allowed to be open
3: Mm.
2: um so that's how most of my colleagues are currently processing um i also wanted to say another reason that we're all doing very well auction houses are not happening Mm -hmm. live auction houses so the antique dealers and the buyers that are normally going out for their friday night country style auction they're not getting their Joneses, so they're going on eBay to support us, mm, and that's and true. that's where the traffic I think is headed. And also boredom, hundred percent boredom. I saw a meme that said, "Hey, somebody take away my credit card." <laughs> this this quarantine has done enough damage. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it's it is it is strange. I mean, you know, we've shared on the podcast how three weeks ago we we had like two days where it was really bad. I think when everybody was like, "What? We're locked down. It, it was apocalypse. It was bad." And then just a swarm of sales and they just have not stopped since then. So that's been good. So the the question too is, though, as has this at at all caused you to think differently about your business or, or is it just reinforced that like, this is what I need to keep doing and doing it this way.
2: It's, it's reinforcing some things for It's reinforcing some factors. One is don't rely on one platform. Mm. So that's a big one. Amazon stopped FBA shipments. We were dismantling pallets that we had ready to go. That was like a whole yeah. So and and being honest, I had two weeks of like
3: ah <laughs>
2: like yeah. I don't know yeah. I just, yeah I have people not <laughs> showing up to work. They're shutting down roads. I mean it's been dramatic. Yeah. I'm not gonna, I mean we're seeing National Guard trucks roll in. Like it's it's been dramatic in New York. Um and I and I'm handling it. And now that the Water has calmed down. Clarity has set in. And this is, I know what I can do right now. I'm going to go after everything I can list. I'm going to go after my death pile with a vengeance. Mm. And I don't have a death pile. I have a death (laughs) pallet of of stuff that I was just like, eh, $25. I don't want to deal with it. So with that being said, we're going to clean my intent. This is my intention. And this is what I want for all the listeners right now. When this quarantine is over, how do you be in a position where you have tons of storage and tons of cash? Nice. Yeah. Because then that quarantine, this quarantine would be a real positive thing for your business. And we know that when this is over, what's going to happen in July or August or spring of next year when everyone goes back and we start having garage sales, it's going to look like this. Boom. Yeah. All this merchandise, right? All these people are going to start buying and selling houses. The economy is going to spring back and the whole, I feel like the whole, the flower is just going to open. And as a reseller, we're going to be like overwhelmed at that time. So set yourself up now. Mm. And that's what I'm working on. I'm going to set myself up now to get ultra light, cash rich, inventory light. And if I need inventory and we run out, I can make some phone calls to some businesses and buy some.
0: Yeah, oh, That's good. I like it. I like the the way you sum that up there. Cash rich, inventory light. That's a that's a great way to it's be thinking goal. about this right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, build the capital and save the space, and then you know, for so many people, we just did an episode uh, on Wednesday where we talked about if you could reset your reselling, and one of the things we talked about is like you know, sometimes people scale faster than they expect. And so their inventory process isn't where it could be. And so if you can start to clear out a lot of stuff, that gives you time too to, to get, get structures and things going in a way that, that will be more efficient. Um So maybe something a little happier or, or weirder, I don't know, but what is the weirdest thing you've gotten in an auction where you were just like, I can't believe well, like, I think we got to keep it so PG. PG There's a hey, out there in the yeah, auctions. I'll, <laughs> I'll,
2: yeah. I'll keep it PG. Um,
1: It makes it more okay. difficult,
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I because well, the, the, the R rated stuff is funny. Well, I've
1: heard that on, on other was, interviews, you found some good. crazy stuff out there, so yeah.
2: Um, so I won't tell you the tale of the blue suitcase, but I will. <laughs> That's um, a crazy um, all right, so one of the weirdest thing I ever bought was I, I bought a shark, um, Bruce Almighty. I bought a life size shark,
1: huh? Like, well, like shark, as in, all
2: right, so okay, the, the shark from Finding Nemo. Bruce.
1: Okay,
2: he's fourteen feet long. Nice, and he's fi- made it. He was made of fiberglass, and we went to a prop auction, and I bought him in a prop auction. That is cool. Yeah. And um.
1: What'd you do with it?
2: Uh, I sold it to a fish farm. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah. So they and they took him and they gave him a fresh coat of paint. They sent it to an airbrush place. They repainted it and they hung him in the in the main showroom of the fish like restaurant and when you walk in they have like all these like fish on the wall or these like mantles and in the middle is bruce 14 feet big hung and the kids come in and take selfies with him
0: nice so, yeah. how kind of did... profit was that yeah or how long did it take too? not,
2: enough. <laughs> not <laughs> enough so i made 800 bucks um and ultimately I, that's one of the things would i do it again mm, nah it was too big it was too big i put it in the back of my pickup truck People taking pictures of me, down going on the <laughs> side of the road, you know. Um, but it, it was—I uh, paid twelve hundred. I sold it for almost two grand, and uh, it was—it it was, yeah, it was worth it. Um, but yeah, if I had to do it again, I'd much rather be buying and selling a little radio yeah. for like good money than I would with a fourteen-foot shark.
0: Yeah, but it's a cool story. So, you know, you can't take that away from it.
2: It had 11,000 likes on Facebook. Oh, <laughs> there we go. you go. It was, it, it was shared like 500 times. Could have it
0: started like, its it own like, Instagram everyone. account.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brucey, Brucey is a celebrity in its own right. Nice. nice. All
1: right. So, you know, I, I've seen several episodes of Baggage Battles and things get intense sometimes. And sometimes I don't know if it's, you know, for the show or if it's real what has been one of the most intense auction moments you had, whether it was on camera or it was off camera, where like it was, it was, you're about to throw down, but it, it got super intense, or maybe you did throw down. I don't know. Whatever you want to share that doesn't legally cause you issues.
2: Um, I. So the most recent, I was bidding on a watch for thirty grand. And wow. we took it from seven thousand to thirty thousand and i was nervous it's a it was um
1: yeah let us know what it, it was
2: <laughs> yeah i can send you a pic of it it was it was a 18 karat gold watch um i think it was an automyer and i'm probably saying the name wrong but it was at a seizure auction and uh it was worth about 52000 and i i i said is my limit now let me tell you something i've gotten into heated battles before but when you're going 26,000 27,000 28,000 29,000 30,000 That's a whole other level of money. yeah. Yeah. Um and that was in that I needed to like have line of credits out with the bank like wired funds ready to go because you can't they don't allow like you can't like oh let me go let me go get the money. Mm. You have to have the money on you which I won't do in that level of cash or you have to have the wire transfer like already ready to go. So the hardest part for me there was like going back and forth and then what if and if I get it and then I'm tying up all this money. It was crazy. So that's it usually has to do with like when I'm getting committed. <laughs> that's when it gets really heavy because you're like committed. You're it, these are legal contracts. Wow. You you this is not an eBay auction. You don't walk away, okay? You don't say, "You know what, my 2-year-old was pressing the button <laughs> yeah, yeah. and accidentally checked out this Nerf gun. No, this is like the federal police, like the federal auctions and the police auctions. You don't just walk away. Yeah. Like, so that was that was my best story in terms of most intense time. And there have been times that I've seen fist fights at auctions. Oh man. Um, I've seen people throw at each other stuff at each other. Maybe good. We, edit that we get, that. No, we're
1: good. We're good. It'll be in there. we've done this before. So Note n- Note uh marker fifty three.
2: <laughs> there,
1: there you go. Hey, so you you're kind of part of our club, but like we had talked about before, like, you know, underneath that hat, are you are you are you part oh, of Oh the- yeah.
2: Absolutely. So I, I will join your club, okay. boys. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So we, we, we I could say be I,
1: sponsored by like a beard and, and like bulb.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I think you know, hair on the top of your head's a little overrated. As long as you got it on your face, <laughs> you're good to go.
2: Yeah. I I tell people I never lost <clears> my hair. It just fell down. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. Nice.
1: So did you end up scoring on the watch or did you end up just saying, Hey, it's too too much of a risk? Got-
2: I got off the watch. Um, it was just too much of a risk. I mean, I to me, throwing around thirty five thousand to make three or four thousand is not enough. No, yeah, yeah, it's not enough. And I also want you to know, at that very auction two years earlier, I paid two grand for a watch that was fake. Oh, and, and they would not take it back. And then I'm, and that's part of the risk is yeah. like, it's 35, thirty five thirty thousand dollars. Like, if, if this goes bad. Oh, this is gonna be this is this is gonna be my year. Yeah. Like that goes bad. So anyway, that's the high pressure game. Uh, and then the other thing about like when you buy stuff out of state, sometimes you'd be out of state and you could be alone, and you're like, oh my god, I just bought all this stuff. Or you get in the heat of the moment. That's like the intense moments of an mm. auction. That's you get to add like rigor and like total presence to what you're doing because I've mm. seen so many guys go off the rocker with. He he said something to me, and they get emotional and they start bidding, and they just they they lose it. You lost the mm. moment you get like emotionally connected like that. You're you're it's not going to serve you.
0: Yeah, you got to be calm, cool, and collected. I like that. Uh,
1: oh, oh yeah. Can I ask one go more? Go for it. Well, okay, so you're really intense right on in our podcast, which is great. It's entertaining. Like we're loving it. So at the auctions, are, is this how you are? Are you like low key, like hat down, like you right. know, Ooh, poker face?
2: Uh, so I used to play a ton of texas uh hold them nice and that's actually where the hat came from mm. so i wear hat and sunglasses and at an auction you will see me be very quiet mm. Mm. very quiet <laughs> so i will be there's two strategies so if you're new to an auction and you want to go there in like be an uh, observant just observe don't bid don't go there saying you're going to be like top auction king go there and observe Observe, 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 see what's going on. Make sure you're paying attention to like the details of the auction, the removal period. And if you're an introvert, I would, I would um, invite you to be upfront because the auctioneer is not going to be able to easily hear or see an introvert. That's 55 feet away from him. I'm an extrovert. I'll, I'll throw, I'll throw something in the air. I'll yell across. If I feel the auctioneer is going to drop the hammer and he's not paying attention to me, I will scream at an auction to get his attention. I have no issues with that. I don't want to do that because then it says to everyone, oh, it's it's that's valuable. Bidding. <laughs> and he, and he's excited. So I if you see me at an auction, generally I would be very low key. In fact, I wore one of my hats to one of the auctions and people started looking me up.
3: Ah, and then mm-hmm. the
2: next time I came, I wore like a camouflage shirt and like a plain hat nice. because I wanted to be like, have i want to have like no trace i want to be like i don't know james bond like no no trace there
1: well that's good to Man know of
0: mystery over here
1: it seems better i mean because you know like on baggage battles like everybody had their own personality right there but it was for it was for show but i don't know maybe that's how it was legitimately but like everybody had like their own character kind of style right so so mark was like you were like the young gun on the show right and and then you had the older individuals that they were funny, too. I mean, it was a great show. But anyways, uh, so talk to me a little bit. You shared a little bit about your failure just now. And we like to talk about failure because we learn through our failure. We say you pay for education. I don't know. Two thousand dollars seems like a lot for an education. But
2: <laughs> I-, I didn't do it again. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so talk to, talk to us. First of all, let's, let's start on the low end. What, what have been some of your f- biggest failures that you've had? Oh, did you have a question? Did I cut you off? Mike? No, you're good. You've already asked yours, so.
2: Okay, okay. All right.
1: Well, we are go back to Mike's question, but what, was, what are some of your biggest failures and then some of your biggest successes?
2: Um, so I'm going to say my biggest failure was a $2,000 watch Okay, for sure. Um, and my other failure that was pretty uh, brutal, I bought a storage room when I was really early and I didn't realize that the storage owners of the facilities were setting up the rooms. And that was uh, a twenty dollar room that cost me like three hundred in labor, another hundred and fifty in a dump, and it had my stuff. It was just not a good room. All right now, and when it you, was, s- it was totally set up by the owners.
1: Okay, so when you say setting up, you mean that the owners like took what they wanted and they left the room pretty much.
2: The owners like put a bunch of units in one room and took everything of value out, and then made, basically made like a garbage room. anyway that was and that was the price i paid when i was new and i also still made money at that auction just not with that room that room Mm. was like there was like live mice in there and then i learned it was just not a good good idea next uh successes um i my best day at the flea market i did forty three hundred in cash um with with two and three employees getting a bunch of booths i had um I really recommend estate buyouts, buying an entire estate, because the value there is really high. A woman called me, here's the deal. And this happens all the time in real estate. The property is going to close. The contents are not worth a significant amount of money to have someone do an auction, but there's stuff there. So what we'll do is I'll come in and I'll buy the right of removal and I'll clear the house out of salvageable stuff because the next person that comes in is getting a dumpster and they're clearing it all out. So that's a big asset. One story I'll tell, on the North Shore up here, a woman called me, they had an entire machine shop in the basement. The thing is, is they built the house, they built the basement, lowered the machines in the basement, and then built the house on top of oh, it. Oh, jeez! So we couldn't get the machines out. And if we did, it would have been a $1,000 a day rigger and the machines aren't worth it. Mm. So we had to leave them, but what we did is we went down there and stripped all the tooling off of them. Mm. Which was worth a ton of money. We filled an entire truck, an entire van in a day. I was exhausted, but in that stuff alone we paid her 1200 and we made about 7500.
0: Wow. Nice.
2: And that was and it was good stuff, good stuff like, you know, tools and just like tons and tons and tons of stuff. It was a lifelong collection. There were books, from the 1800s wow. in written in German and color with the locomotive of like original steam locomotives from the 1800s it was like an unbelievable state and most of the stuff was covered in mold but like we still were able to get the metal and a lot of stuff out into the open snap on tools like mm. tons of great stuff so i that's probably one of my my best scores and i recently sold an amplifier for 7000 nice nice so old old tube amplifiers Keep a lookout. If you come across old tube amplifiers, if they're 50 bucks, $75 at a yard sale, look them up and snap them up. Because a lot of tube amplifiers are very sought after.
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah. So um I you've got me convinced. Like I need to, I need to try this. I need to 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 scale up a little bit and and, and do a little bit of auctioning. Um question. So you've already given us great tips as far as go. And, and observe for a while. So let's say I go, I observe five, six times. I kind of get the feel for for what's going on. I'm starting to realize how it works. Uh, I could rent a truck, obviously, that kind of stuff. But what would you say to the person who's starting out? They, they're they just getting started. What are some <clears> essential <throat> things that you need uh, in order to, to process your first pallet or to go to your first auction and make a, a bid on something? Like, what do you need to have in place in order to, to, to make it work?
2: Um, I think the intention. Before, like, what is what is your intention with purchasing this? It's a really good question to ask because there are lots that I'll look at and be like, hey, I know someone that could use that. Mm. Let me call them. Is the, is the intention to go on eBay? Well, then you'd need an eBay account. Is the intention to flip locally on Facebook? Because if you're just starting out and you don't have the infrastructure of a business or eBay or Amazon, then you're really going to be flipping to Facebook Marketplace. Mm. I mean, that's a basic free service, great exposure. And you, you, I, I see entire guys run virtual yard sales and they list everything they have for sale, right? And then they, they, people link up and they buy and they sell and they trade and they do this whole circle. So that, that's what I would do is really what's your intention and are you trying to make money? Or are you trying to make money in six months from now? We know that reselling is really like a, what I would call long-term play. Mm. It takes time to get paid and if you're starting out it's going to take time so like what's your intention with going there and doing that observe get your bidding card if you have a license and a resale certificate automatically you're 8% better than the than your competition mm. because i don't have i don't pay sales tax on purchases yep. because i'm a dealer because we charge sales tax in the booth so those would be my my advice i would get some basic tools and trucks also you don't have to go there with vehicles that that are required to removal. Most auctions you'll go to, you you go, you pay. You might have a removal of one or two hours, but most people that are like patient, they pay, they leave, they go home, they say hi to their kids and wife, they go to sleep, they come back the next day with their box truck. Mm. Once you buy, you'll know how much you're gonna need. So don't don't was it don't don't buy the cart before you buy the horse. Mm, is there yep, expression yep, like that? Yep,
0: yeah.
2: Right, like yeah don't don't, don't put, put the
0: car before down. the horse
2: that's that's the expression yeah, yeah. that one
0: so and then uh, you know <clears throat> rent the rent the u-haul rent the box truck uh and then at some point obviously buy the box truck, right' Because that'll make yeah, sense yeah
2: i i mean there's a there's going to be a math equation for when a box truck is worth it for you to own. it is expensive and I don't know about I don't know where you, that you're whoever's listening, I don't know where you are, but I will tell you in New York, commercial insurance on a box truck is like six grand mm. plus the box truck and everything else so we run passenger vans that can haul and if i needed to i would i would rent many businesses rent for a very very long time because you may only need a box truck once a week and when you amortize that there's a, i recommend doing an equation i, I it's going to take a while before you want to own a box truck yeah
1: well that's a great t- i mean passenger vans are great i mean i had when toys russ was liquidating i used passenger vans and I was able to fill up that van with a lot of stuff. So that's good. Okay. All right. So that's so many, so many, we're going to have to have you back on. We're not done yet though, but we are going to have to have you back on Mark. So hopefully it won't be another six months, but we'll we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So when you, when you mentioned, so there's different ways of doing it. So auctions are good. And you mentioned auction zip, right? And auction zip is pretty much the go-to for everybody to find auctions. That pretty much it.
2: Um, I would recommend. So, one thing I wanted to touch on, if you're listening, build your network. Yes, build your network. Get a sneaker guy. Get this guy. Get get a record guy. Get the people that in, in your business, so that you have a Rolodex of like who you can go to. When, when you know, because like you you don't really in reselling, like you don't know you can get on a garage sale and find a bunch of stuff, and you don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Get a guy that knows what to do with it, even if you don't know. Um, and I would really, really build your network, which is something that that is highly supportive, and I, it's, it's yeah, it's really supportive.
1: No, I will say that and that's one of the tough that's one of the reasons I didn't get into storage auctions because you got to know people, right? So you, you know you first find your furniture guy, you find your sneaker guy. And so, and that took. I, would you say several years? And, and you, are you still looking for people, or you pretty much have a go to for most of your stuff?
2: Um, it it depends honestly. Like I really enjoy having eBay and Amazon as my go to. Okay. Because there's always a guy that says, "Oh, when you have knives, you call me." There's always a guy that says that, and there's always a guy. That, there's a guy for everything. Mm-hmm. There's a guy at the flea market, which is a dime guy. He comes to buy silver dimes for me. And all he buys is dimes. So like, trust me, there's, for a, there's a seat for every, uh you know. <laughs> You're referring and, to Donkey
1: <laughs> on that one. No, go ahead. It's all good.
2: So uh, another marker. Uh, One minute, seven seconds. <laughs> oh, Mark God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um Build your network. All right, and, and you'll get the, the structure down. I do have like a fishing pole guy. Mm. So I have these things kind of set up. Um and I do recommend and it's gonna take you time and don't be afraid to fail. The biggest thing that people get hung up on <clears> this <throat> business is I sold it too cheap. Mm. Let it go. Let it what did you buy it for? Let it go. Yeah. Right? We don't have to get the whole market. But if you're gonna sell to a dealer, he needs to make some too. Mm. So, like, sometimes I'm always like, oh, I sold it too cheap. But then I'm like, hey, if I didn't sell it for that, I'd still have it. Yep. So, there's a balance of compassion and education here. And you're not going to know everything. And your lister that you want to hire, allow them to make mistakes. It's going to happen. Build that as an acceptance. Mm. And you're going you're to be able to scale. The small amount of mistakes that they could make is not worth the great extension of where your sales could go. Okay, that's
1: good that's yeah. really good that's, yeah. a, that's it's a, a good mark, mindset. Ma- mark Meyer quote right there <laughs> <laughs> quote of the week hey so flea markets real quick so how do you like i find i would find it i don't know being that on my ebay like i list everything high right but on the flea market it's the inverse right it's you're just trying to offload stuff h- how do you make it profitable like how do you do you just set up and you're just willing to take whatever or h- how do you set that up
2: uh flea markets to be honest If it can go online, it goes online. Mm, If it doesn't sell, I put it out at the flea market. If it's $25, $30 or less, I'll put it out at the flea market. If it's a DeWalt drill that's super common that everybody needs, I won't put it on eBay because we'll just take it to the flea market and get 70 cents of eBay money, Mm. which to me is the same.
1: Right, all right. Okay, good, I just (laughs) need to know
2: Yeah, so I mean, of a load, it depends. Like the last load in the Boston estate, 60% 60% of the truck was flea market and antiques. The other 40% was online. Mm. So that 60% goes to the flea market instantly. Um, and, and when I go to the flea market, I'm not going there to show off my stuff. I'm going there to unload. Mm. So my prices are, are uh, competitive or extra competitive because I'm, go- I'm not going there to be a flea market vendor every week. I'm going there to unload my stuff so I can go buy big loads again to move past it.
1: That's good. And so how often is the flea market thing? Is it once a month, once a week for you?
2: So I go to the flea market about four to six times a year. And it depends. Um, Some years I've gone once, sometimes I've gone 10. And I'll also do Brimfield. So up on the East Coast here, Brimfield is the biggest antique market that we have. Mm. Um, it's the biggest antique open air antique market in the world. Okay. It's got four thousand yeah. plus vendors. Um, yeah, so I, I'll go when I have the merchandise. If I can get Amazon goods and an eBay goods all the time, I wouldn't deal in the flea market stuff. But it's like a byproduct. It's like when you're mining for platinum, you get all those other metals too. Okay. I'm mining I'm mining for the e-commerce gold. Nice.
0: There you go. Nice, that's good. Well, I got a question for you, and this one is one I try to ask a lot of our our, our the people we have on the show. Uh, you are clearly like a super competent guy. You're you've got a great perspective on stuff. I mean, you've said so many things that that you know are going to probably change the way oh, yeah. Orlando and I are going to resell, and I know so many of our listeners are going to take a lot from it. I mean, it's just clear you're, you can articulate yourself. You're you're wise. You, you're not just you're not just throwing out numbers. Like you know what you're doing. So. Because of that, I'm really interested. What would you say is like the one thing, like life advice that you live by or would like our listeners to know, like here's maybe a motto or a phrase or something, a piece of advice that, that kind of you stand by or something that, that we can kind of take and, and apply to our lives?
1: I didn't, I didn't send them that question.
0: <laughs> I, do, I ask it almost every week, man. You got to add it to the question list.
2: Have a strategy. Not a plan. Mm. Um, in this reselling game, the work I'm doing today, I won't get paid for for weeks or months or maybe years from now. So having a real plan, having a strategy is really the best thing that I could advise someone with. And the reason I advise on a strategy is because a plan is not flexible. Mm. A plan is... When I make $10,000, I'm going to go do this. When I make 20, I'm going to go hire this guy. When 30,000, I'm going to get my a plan is very structured. A strategy can bend and mold to what's going on. And the reason plans don't work so well is because when a plan doesn't happen, when something doesn't happen in a plan, it crumbles.
3: Mm.
2: A strategy can move, mold and bend to the circumstances that you're in right now. So I don't have a plan in this COVID crisis right now. I have a strategy. My strategy is to go through everything that I have that's available for sale and to to have everything listed. And then when everything's listed, I'm going to start plummeting. I'm going to start dropping sale prices to start emptying out my bins, to raise capital, to give my guys work to pack. And my strategy is at the end of this, I'm going to have inventory light and be cash rich. That's a strategy. A mm. plan is more like, oh, in July, I'm going to have my business be open. I'm going to go to the flea market and I'm going to go do this. And then July happens and we're still in a crisis and, it, and I'm crying in a corner. Mm. Have a strategy because wow. strategies mold, bend, and move to what you need to, to happen. Um, and intention where do you want to go in three years? Where do you want to go in five years? If you're serious about scaling and you're serious about, you know, if you're going to have 000, 000 a million dollar year, You better be shipping $3,200 in product every day Mm. because that's a million. So if you're shipping $3,200 in product a day, you also have to be listing like 4,000 in product every day because you know you're not going to sell 100% of what you list. So like being realistic, having time-bound goals, thinking three, five years ahead, having a strategy, not a plan, and adapting to the environment. That's my piece of advice. Uh, that's
0: that's some that amazing solid, sage dude. advice. I appreciate that. Thank you. No,
1: so, I, I, again, but that's, that's the thing, adapting. Yeah. adapting. I love what you said because we don't know. We don't know. And so having a strategy, it's so good. Thanks, Martin. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, no matter how old I get, I'm 40 now. I'm always, always learning. I'm going to feel the same way when I'm 60 and I'm 80 and 100 and whatever else. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so. The last question I want to end on, because this is super pivotal, super key. We always ask this, but now it's more of a very serious question. Where do you see the future of reselling in the coming years? Or even this coming year? Where, where do you see things going?
2: Mm. Um, the future of reselling, I think, is going to be more online. 100%. I think that it's a, it's a train. It's a locomotive that's not slowing down. Hmm. So the future of reselling is going to continue to be pushed online and continue to be a service-based business. I think it's networking and services that really define reselling and getting your word out there that this is what you do. And this is this is what you're interested in and, and also consignments. Um, I think it's all customer service. I think that it's how fast you can get these products to the customers. And I think it's about great listings and giving people great deals they can't find elsewhere. Mm. That's that's where I see the future of reselling. And I'd also like to share what I see in my future. All right. So I'm scaling up to buy a building. Uh, as I just told you guys earlier, so I'm looking at a, a something 5,000 square feet. My intention is to get bigger and to scale and to also to get my cost down. So I'm moving off of Long Island. And I'm also excited to share, I've been working really hard on YouTube videos and we have some that are going to be released next week. Nice. And I'm getting intentional about my brand, about bringing awareness in the secondhand market because I love sustainability mm. and a lot of things get thrown away in the landfill. And I know I can look at these two beautiful bald men <laughs> with me that we are, saving, we are saving lots of stuff from the landfill oh, and giving right. them a second lease on life. And that's something I'm so passionate about.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's a whole other side of you, Mark, We haven't talked about, like for the environment and and your causes and and just helping out there. So, yeah, I pr- appreciate you bringing that up. Sustainability is a big deal. so well, so you you feel encouraged that we're going to things are going to keep moving forward, and it's just going to be about adapting.
0: Well, you don't get a five thousand square foot uh, storage yeah. unit <laughs> yeah, if you' uh, if you're not optimistic. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that out there. so
2: i I'm optimistic that. All right, so I'll also share something about the future of reselling. There are a lot of opportunities with dealers right now. So antiques, antiques in general, a lot of antique dealers at the flea market, they're older generation. Mm. There's been a there's been a vacuum in my area recently as those older antique knowledgeable brilliant antique dealers move on in life there's a vacuum for what they used to buy. Mm. So I'm getting phone calls now because I've been doing this a while that hey, there's like no antique dealers on the on, in this area anymore and nobody knows where to turn. You should go pass out flyers. My purpose of saying this is if you look at most antique dealers, any antique flea market, a lot of them are older generations mm-hmm. and they're retiring and they're they're moving on. So to those young resellers listening to this right now, there's opportunity with the fact that millennials don't want their parents' stuff. Mm. And there's a surplus of it. And they don't really appreciate it because they want... And I'm a millennial. We want the latest electronics. Mm-hmm. We don't want our parents' stuff. And there's a huge surplus of phone calls. Hey, uh, my mom just wants to get rid of all our stuff. and Or I got my mom's stuff. We sold the house for 400 grand. Just come give us two grand for the rest of it and take mm-hmm. it out. My intention of sharing that is there's opportunity there's incredible amounts of opportunity out there.
1: That's really good. Okay. Uh, Awesome. Going to make some phone calls this week. That's
0: right. Yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, just to be honest, like, I mean, we have a lot of people on and all of the people we have on it have been great, but um, you know, there's, there's a handful that really shine as far as like, Hey, this is probably going to legitimately change some of the ways that, that we resell. And so, you know, I'm, I'm super encouraged. You know, uh, I I told Orlando earlier, I feel like I've been a little lazy with uh, reselling recently, you know, like, so much time at home and I have to drive to my office and it's been like, yeah, I got to get through some listings and stuff. But when you talk to somebody as passionate and as, as, as devoted as you are, it's definitely one of those, uh, like shots of adrenaline that you need to kind of be like, all right, let's do this. So really appreciate having you on, man. So, Thank you. Go ahead.
1: No, no. All I was going to say is I knew it was going to be a great show. Cause I've been following you for a while, Mark, but man, you just took it to the next level. And I think all our listeners we'll comment the same below no. and hopefully thumbs up this video too because mark you've you've unloaded a lot of information that some people would have to pay for right no. some people would have to get a mentor and you are so willing to share and we really really are grateful for that thanks a lot mark no.
2: you're welcome uh it's it's gonna be great and i'm intending to share more trade secrets um, and, uh, yeah, there's more on my YouTube. And if you want to know about auctions, go check them out. Cause I have an I have literally a specific, uh, video for every style of auction on YouTube that handles like what you can expect, what you'll be up against and what to bring.
0: Yeah. Where can our listeners find you? Can you real quick, just kind of give your, your so spiel? you can
2: find me at Mark Meyer here. Uh, and that's at Instagram and on YouTube. And I'm getting really passionate about, going on YouTube because we have a lot of videos that we're working on, including a video called where to find the money in your home. Nice. nice. To help out people in the coronavirus that want to raise extra money but don't know where it is right now. So that's literally worth having a meeting tomorrow night. So I'm excited to get that out.
1: Oh, ah, so that's awesome. amazing. Yeah, we'll definitely drive people to your videos. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. So if you're not subscribed already, go check him out. I mean, he's dropping amazing stuff. If he was willing to give this much to us, just, just imagine what's on his channel. So get over there as quick as you can. So. All right, Mark. Well, thanks so
1: much, and uh, thank you to all our listeners. And uh, really, it's been a, it's been incredible. Yeah. So, and with that being said, hey, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Ladies. Ladies.